Hello, and welcome to the Bluegrass Vocal Podcast, where we connect you more deeply with the music you love by talking with those who sing it. I'm your host, Mark Vosper. Bluegrass Unlimited calls John Reichman one of the undisputed masters of the mandolin, famed for his outstanding tone and taste. So it's a testimony to John's graciousness that he was willing to talk with the Bluegrass Vocal Connection about his journey with singing. Shine, shine, shine like a star in the morning. Shine, shine, all around the throne of God. God knows I'm going to shine, shine, shine like a star in the morning. Shine, shine, all around the throne of God. In this very enjoyable conversation, John and I talked about his musical background both how he came to play the mandolin and how he came to sing. We talked about some of John's surprising early influences when it comes to singing and his progression on how he learned to sing both lead and harmony parts. So welcome to the Bluegrass Vocal Connection Podcast and my interview with mandolinist, band leader, and accomplished singer, John Reichman. Hello, this is Mark Vosberg. I'm with the Bluegrass Vocal Connection Podcast, and I'm here at Montana Fiddle Camp in the heart of the Little Belt Mountains in Montana, and I'm with I'm thrilled to be with John Reichman, um, who's doing some teaching here at Fiddle Camp. So, John, tell us about, yeah, what you're doing here this week. Well, um, I have been fortunate enough to come to this camp many years. Um, I think I first came, I can't remember what year, maybe 2006, and I came two years in a row, and then I didn't come for several years, and then I think I've been here pretty much every year since 2013, maybe 2012. Missed last year, but um, but really happy to be back. It's a wonderful camp, and uh, I love fiddles, and uh, you know, Music in general, it's a great music community, and, and it's a wonderful place to come back to every year. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me, and I've taken John's class. We're, we're in the garage at the Fiddle <laughs> Camp, which is kind of John's territory for where he teaches workshops. Yes, it's preparing everyone to be in a garage band. <laughs> Excellent. And um, I've taken John's workshop several times. And one of the coolest things that happens in these workshops is I get to talk, every, all of the students get to talk with John, hear stories, get insight, and that's kind of what I hope to do today a little bit in this podcast is record it and share some of those stories. Sure. So um, John's been super gracious about taking this a lot, little bit different lens on an interview with John. We're going we're gonna to kind of talk a little bit about um, vocals and singing, but maybe to, to get into that, John, can you kind of talk about how... In your musical experience, how, maybe even how you came to the mandolin and then how vocals kind of collided with that. Sure. Um, I come from a, a somewhat musical family. My, uh, my mother's brother was a saxophone player, and um, he actually he played in big bands in the 40s, and he settled in Great Falls, Montana, and retired there, and he had the music store called Cops Music, I think was the name of it. So he had that for many years. So, so he, he's the direct link to a, a musical uh, 
lineage, I guess, for my family. And uh, I have three older sisters and an old, one older brother. And the youngest of those three sisters is a beautiful singer. She's She's got a, an amazing voice, really talented. And she took lessons uh, from a teacher where we grew up in Ukiah who was a teacher to Johnny Mathis. So she was a trained singer, but she mostly would sing uh, pop music and maybe a little bit of light classical and that kind of thing. And she, I remember being, you know, she's maybe seven, eight years older than me and being around the house and she'd do it, be doing these vocal exercises. And, you know, so I was you know, exposed to it. And then uh, her, my older brother, who's a couple years younger than, than her, Meredith, um, he's just kind of a natural singer. I mean, he's got a really great voice and a powerful set of lungs. And, uh, and we've played a lot of music through the years. He's sing, sung swing music, you know, standards, and a lot of bluegrass and just what have you. But he's, he's quite good. But we're, we're different in a lot of ways in that he's, you know, more of an outgoing people person personality and just kind of natural singer. And he plays guitar, too. He's a great rhythm player, but he's never been a soloist. And me, on the other hand, I just focused on developing my instrument, you know, developing my skills as a soloist and, and never really uh, thought about singing at all, not interested in it. And then when I do sing it and record it, I, I never liked the way it sounded, so I just didn't pursue it. But he and I sing some duets, some some of the old bluegrass duets. And uh, so that's fun because there's a, a natural way of doing that. Shady Grove, I say, Shady Grove, my true love, I'm bound to go away. First time I saw my Shady Grove, she was standing in the door. Shoes and stockings in her hand and a little bare feet on the floor. Shady Grove, my true love, Shady Grove, I say. Shady Grove, my true love, I'm bound to go away. So when you're doing those duets, um, who, who sung what part? Uh, typically, he, uh, he'd sing lead on the verses and then jump up, jump up to tenor, uh, and then I'd go to lead. Or sometimes I'd, I'd sing a low part to his lead. Um, there's this one Osborne Brothers song that I probably should, they did as a trio, but I can't remember what we do. If he's maybe I'm going to the lead, I can't remember what what happens. But there might be a, a few tunes where it's more natural for him to stay on the lead and me to sing a baritone part. Yeah. So. Early on, when you were learning mandolin, you were doing this with your brother through your whole progression. Of- uh, let's see. No, not I didn't really try and sing. I don't think at that point because I was a teenager and I just wanted to play mandolin. And then uh, we got put a band together, bluegrass band, and he he played a lot of music with a good friend of ours, actually a high school friend of his, who's they're both older than I am. And uh, his name is Gary Whitaker, and he was a big musical influence on me because he was he was uh, really versatile. He played all all the instruments, and he he started playing banjo, 
and he lived on in Virginia for a while, I think, and and was went to bluegrass festivals and got into it. He kind of introduced some of this material to us. They sang a lot of uh, songs together. They sang really well. They do uh, Flying Burrito Brothers songs, and they sang Friend of the Devil, and you know, just a lot, you know, just great singing together. So I still never tried to sing with them, but uh, I, yeah, I was just mainly a, an instrumentalist, you know, playing the mandolin. And when I started singing, I guess, was in 1978, I joined a band in the San Francisco Bay Area called The Good Old Persons. That band started out as, as five women and then eventually integrated to introduce men. And they went through a transitional period uh, and this guy named David Birch, who I knew from living in Eugene, Oregon, really good lead singer, you know, in the Lester Flat, Jimmy Martin style, he joined. And they became more of a, more of a traditional sounding bluegrass band. Um, and they needed a mandolin player, so he said, Oh, I know a guy, and uh, and I I used to go see that band. I, I'd moved around the West Coast, but I lived in San Francisco for a while, and I used to go see the original band, and I was a fan. And I saw a later incarnation of them that I really thought there was a there was a guy named Harry Legion who played both guitar and mandolin, as I did, and I thought well, I got to get that guy's job. But and so I I ended up getting hired, but the band had transitioned into this more traditional thing, and and David, um, since we were. He was singing lead, and there was always Kathy Callick sang tenor, and uh, he taught me how to sing baritone. And the way he did it is he recorded himself singing the baritone part really loud, along with Bill Monroe records. So I would just learn that baritone part by rote, as if it was another melody. And uh, and from that, I just started being able to hear the part. Early on, I think I used to. It was easier for me to hear that baritone part an octave higher. So I'd find the lead note on the mandolin, and then the tenor note, 
and then the, the high baritone up above it so I could you know kind of and then just drop it down because it's a little little strange hearing it initially and and just from that little bit it's just I've been able to do it pretty intuitively I mean not on every song like I have a hard time like in bluegrass sometimes there the baritone will cross over the lead and sing the tenor line and then the tenor will jump up you know but I have a hard time doing that I have to really map it out but um and right away, you know, people would say, well, yeah, you, you sing, you, you blend well. So I guess the tone of my voice is, is not hard-edged. It's kind of a soft sound, and it's not like I'm, I'm trying to do it. I guess I just did it intuitively, so apparently I can blend. And so I sang a lot in the good old persons, you know, the third part. But, you know, there's a lot of singers, so, you know, I had to kind of share the, 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 the role of a third part singer. And, um, yeah, just kept doing it. And then eventually in the Jaybirds, when, you know, this is, you know, 20 years later or more, um, I was, Trisha Gagnon is the main lead singer. And she she's she sings, you know, on the trios with her. She sings lead. The parts are below her. And Jim Nunley at the time, uh, most of the time he would sing below Trisha the baritone part, and I'd sing the low tenor, which is e easy to hear. Did I see five stellar jays beneath the walnut tree? Gathering at a store in before the snow did fall. Listen, can't you hear those little jaybirds call? Take my hand, come walk in the valley. Hold my hand, come go along with me. I went out on a mountaintop and what did I see? Five gray jays looking back at me. Before the snow did fall Listen, can't you hear those little jaybirds call? Take my hand, come walk in the mountains Hold my hand, come go along with me And, uh, but, but on occasion, since Trisha and I live, live closer to each other I would, just to get the song going I'd be singing baritone and Jim would sing lower And um, just do it different ways that way And then also uh, Trisha and I worked out some duets where 
they'd be a duet all the way through, and that gave me the confidence to be to sing lead as long as I didn't have to sing lead by myself. And so it's you know it's where the the tenor and the lead are equally matched. So it's and then on some songs she'd sing lead and I'd just sing a low part to her. So that's my experience as a singer. Tricia especially did um, did you have to negotiate a bit of ease uh, singing uh, with a woman the guy's usually reaching and the woman's maybe no no I, I, I'm a firm believer in the song should be in the key where the singer sings it best um, although there was one in, uh, song that I kind of viewed she was going to be singing lead and there's no harmony involved this had more to do with the instruments and it could have been either B minor or C minor and I said, and that, but there was a lot of soloing. So I said, well, B minor is better for the soloists. If, if I would prefer to do it there, and we do it both ways, and it, you know, it was six of one, half a dozen of the other. So, but I encouraged it to be in B minor because it was more fun to solo in that key because it was there would be these extended solos, and it's just seemed to suit that song better, right? From my right. point of view, but but no, uh, I think you know. Bill Monroe, you know, he uh, gave this advice to Hazel and Alice, you know, because they they were having a, this is back, you know, in the 60s, and they were having a hard time getting the men to, you know, accommodate the keys, and he says, well, you have to make them, or get better musicians, and I think that's what happened with him, too, you know, Bluegrass, his natural singing range for a lot of songs were in B-flat and B, and you automatically had to be a good musician to be able to play in those keys on, on fiddle and mandolin, you know, because they're more challenging than the traditional A, D, and G, and C. You know, that that's kind of natural on most stringed instruments. But to play in B on the fiddle or, or on the mandolin, guitar players, banjo players can just capo. But, you know, you just had, had to have good musicians. So I think that, that, um, that criteria advanced the music. You know, you just had to be better overall as a musician. Right. So, curious about the Tony Rice years. I mean, you guys are known, obviously, for, for instrumental, but um, I don't know, when you were on the road, were 
Did you did you do any singing with Tony or did you? No, none. Okay, no, no. All. But I, I, well, I'll tell you two things about that. Like, he never sang in that configuration. Okay. People wanted him to. They'd holler out for him to sing something, but he he, he didn't do it. And uh, there was a local musician who put together a series of albums with different people, different configurations, and I hired Tony and me to play on this tune. And we were doing a he was a banjo player, so he wanted to do bluegrass. So Jimmy sang, uh, I mean, Tony sang uh, Rock Hearts or something like that. And he says, hey, how's your tenor singing? And I just like said, uh, I'm not going to sing tenor to Tony Rice. So so that, I missed my shot. But um, I was fortunate enough to, uh, when, during those days when I played with Tony, to go to a Ricky Skaggs concert with he and Todd Phillips and Tony's wife at the time all went over to the show and then hung out afterwards because, you know, they were old friends. And we ended up back in the hotel room and Ricky and Tony sang some of those those duets from the Skaggs and Rice records. So I got to be in the room hearing those guys do it. So that was pretty pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. Um, maybe shift over a little bit to um, backing up singers on yep. the mandolin and what singers ask for or yeah well we'll talk about your band yeah what uh with the jaybirds what uh what did you shoot for what were you how did you work your your, your backup and your rhythm to, to singers well you know most of the time if i'm not playing a solo i'm playing rhythm but uh there are certain songs Usually not the fast songs. On fast songs, I don't really like to play back up to a vocal. I just assume keep time. And uh, I think it's more effective that way. But on a ballad, a slow ballad or a medium tune, I might uh, uh, play a solo and then continue on backing up the vocal that comes in after the solo. And just, uh, or preceding the solo, I might back up something. And that's kind of a common way of going about it, you know. 
say if it's a banjo kickoff, the banjo would back up the first verse, then the chorus comes in and maybe it would transition over to fiddle backup, leading into a fiddle solo. So that's kind of uh, the way I, I kind of hear it mostly. It's like one solo leading into backup or backup leading into solo or something like that. If I'm singing on it, then obviously I only have the verses to back up because I can't play and sing or play backup and sing at the same time. Although John Duffy did that, I think. Did both? Do. Yeah, they heard it and they thought, oh, I guess this is how it goes. <laughs> they didn't know the singer was not the backup guy. Yeah, yeah. Any other thoughts on, just, just curious about, I was thinking for this interview, other mandolin players who sing. And um, there's quite a few. Well, starting with Bill Monroe. Yeah. Obviously. Well, yeah, that was the early days of the role of the mandolin players to be the tenor singer. And my range is not uh, high enough to do, to do that. So, uh, um, yeah, just, you know, in traditional bluegrass, it just kind of goes with the territory that you, if you usually you're going to sing a bit if you play any instrument, you know. Bass player is going to sing bass. <laughs> I don't know why that is. It's just certain logic to it, I guess. But, you know, for me, I like I like playing backup, and what I do typically on the mandolin is I just will follow along the chord progression playing partial chords or double stops, and that puts my fingers in a position to when there's an opening in the phrasing of the vocalist, they're set to play a fill. So that, that's how I approach it. But, you know, for me, I, I was I just sort of, this occurred to me, and I thought about this recently, Playing the mandolin has been like my voice, you know, so I didn't feel like I had a need to sing. And I'm, you know, hard marker on my own singing. I'm happy with, you know, singing parts, but uh, just playing solos, that's been how I've been able to express myself on the mandolin. So that's, yeah. that's my view on it. advice mode you do you teaching here at fiddle camp and i know you you've done some lessons and things just um for aspirational mandolin players who may happen to want to sing any any thoughts any advice to the people you you teach uh well i used to sing along with records in the car or cds or tapes i guess back in the day and uh you know turn it up really loud and just sing loud because no one else there. I'm only one in the car. I used to sing along with uh, the police, you know, uh, with the Sting, was had a real high voice, so I'd try and sing along with those and just, you know, I didn't have to worry about it. So so I think singing along with recordings is good. And then 
for figuring out harmonies, I, I often would use the mandolin, like figure out what the melody was, and then just kind of hunt and peck for the, you know, find the closest harmony note. And usually it will follow in a linear way. So if you know the scale that you're playing in, you can usually find it. And, you know, finding a harmony on the mandolin to a sung song is much easier than finding a harmony to a fiddle tune, you know, more intricate, more detailed melody with a lot more notes. So I would use that. And even play chord shapes that would play all three parts. So I know I was not doubling the tenor, an octave lower, that kind of thing. Right. I was wondering if you used your instrument. Most strong instrumentalists seem to use their instrument when they're learning how to sing harmony, and I suspect. Yeah, that. yeah, it's, it's handy. Well, it's right there, you know, just, and then often if it's a new harmony and it's a little tricky for me to hear it, I'll hit that note, my starting note, on the mandolin just to get settled. So what, what projects are you working on now, John? What's coming up? Oh, well, uh... I just finished making a solo record. Well, that actually it came out in August of 21, so it's getting to be a, almost a year old. But uh, that was something that I occupied my time with during the pandemic, you know, shutdown times. Um, I started the project pre-pandemic and had, you know, four or five tunes in the can, you know, ready to go or to be mixed or to add parts to, and then couldn't do anything. So there's a few tunes I started. I just go in the studio and start the song by playing rhythm and use a click track to do that because so, it's easier for other people to add their parts if the timing's really, you know, right on the money. And then I'd go back and play the melody along with that rhythm and then send it around to folks and then eventually get rid of wherever there was lead and rhythm mandolin, so it would be like a more natural thing. Like, like I wouldn't play lead and rhythm at the same time, uh, at least on this recording. Almost never, I would say. But, but uh, So I did uh, maybe five songs that way, just sending tracks around to other musicians. And then things opened up a little bit, and I was able to uh, go in the studio with, with musicians, at just small configurations, trios, because it was easier to do, and, and folks that lived pretty close close by and then uh, how did I wrap up I guess that was yeah that's that that was a, a good project to have and so that's called new time and old acoustic is that right yeah that's the name <laughs> and uh, so that you know I put so much energy into that I'm just in a kind of a not resting period but no projects on the go although I think about you know more recordings all the time and I think I should you know they've all been sort of Bluegrass, old-timey, uh, original tunes, the last three solo projects. And I play other styles of music. So I thought about maybe going the route of making just shorter projects, like EPs, maybe four, five, six tunes on a project, and maybe doing a swing and jazz one, and then one that's more on the Latin music, some of the Brazilian and Puerto Rican music I like, and then one that's really hardcore bluegrass. Maybe. But since this last... This new record has got a whole bunch of different musicians, and uh, the next project I would like to do that's similar music, I'd like to do with the same cast of characters, you know, same band on all the tunes, even if it's only four tunes, just to have a, a band vibe, because you know, it's, it's fun to play with people you don't always play with, but I, I just like the sound of a focused group, too. 
that's kind of what Up in the Woods was. A few few changes, but mostly it was the same same bass player, same fiddle player on every track. Then two two banjo players, two guitar players. Perfect. Yeah. And that's johnreichman.com for the new album. Yep. Perfect. It's uh, yeah, available available on Bandcamp and uh, yep. Well, it's good that things are opening up after COVID. It's good yeah. to have you back at Fiddle Camp and uh, yeah. hope you keep coming back. And John, thank you so much. Yes, Just yes, really a pleasure. Wel- well, yeah, you're welcome. It's, um, <laughs> it's the first time ever anybody's asked me about singing. <laughs> well, when you hear the Jaybirds and you hear John singing with Trisha and, uh, and the band, uh, yeah. you'll understand why. So, well, John, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. It doesn't matter anymore The things I felt hurt me so before I give you my love My heart's full of love The years flew by so fast Now it's the memories that last Forever in my heart You're forever in my heart I don't want to say goodbye And I don't want to let you go I just want to hold on to you A little bit longer Take your hand in mine See the love in your eyes And stay by my side Till I feel stronger That's today's episode of Bluegrass Vocal Connection. I'm your host, Mark Vosberg. If you enjoyed today's episode, by all means, tell your friends. Subscribe. Write a review. In the meantime, keep picking and singing. I hope to be jamming with you all soon. Take care. <laughs>